0: that which was from the beginning that which we have heard that which we have seen with our eyes that which we saw and our hands touched concerning the word of life and the life was revealed and we have seen and testify and declare to you the life the eternal life which was with the father and was revealed to us That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. Yes, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things to you that our joy may be fulfilled. This is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness we lie and don't tell the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus christ his son cleanses us from all sin if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins He is faithful and righteous to forgive us the sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we haven't sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Isn't it wonderful?
1: Just about every single time I open up his letter, uh, the book of First John is an absolute treasure, and I'm very, very glad that we're going to be going through it together. Uh, friends, we are about to begin a marvelous adventure, for nestled in the back of your Bible is one of the shortest yet most profound books in all of Scripture. I love the book of First John. It's the book of love, love all throughout, but it must be said that it's not mushy love, not at all. It's very serious love. Sometimes it's very tough love. It's honest love. It's God's love and our love. And it's love that makes the difference. I love it because it's so practical. It's instructional for the church, and it's intended for those who want to live out their faith in real life. And so we're gonna be going through it uh, a chapter at a time, just five chapters all together, but it's absolutely loaded. I love the Book of Love. Uh, One of the reasons I love it so much is that, in a sense, I feel as if I've met the author a little over 20 years ago, I came to know of someone who I picture in my mind's eye just about every time I encounter First John. His name is Lewis Brighton, but everyone on campus called him Dr. Brighton. He passed away from this world to live in the next in 2015, but we all loved him, admired him, respected him, and when he spoke, you really listened. You'd see him strolling through the seminary grounds, and he always had a big smile on his face, uh, always a kind word on his lips. He was filled with the love of Christ, and it just kind of spilled over to everyone he came in contact with. He would stop you, and he'd genuinely ask you, how is your lovely bride? How are your dear children? How are your dear studies going? We all loved him. Everyone arrived early on registration day for one reason, and that was to get in on anything that Dr. Brighton was teaching. Didn't matter what the course was, Romans, Galatians, or his specialty, Revelation, he literally wrote the book. Well, not literally, he wrote this big book on the book, Of revelation and it was just a wonderful experience to to sit at his feet because it seemed as if he actually knew Jesus like personally he'd sit on the edge of his desk and the students would kind of lean in and he'd open up God's Word and just speak the truth from his heart There was wisdom in his words, and always a twinkle in his eye, and there was a joy on his face when he taught the gospel, and he made it come alive. See, he adored Jesus. He was something to behold, this 80-something-year-old man who would, he would tear up in front of you. When he spoke of heaven, tears of happiness, he'd look up and just tears of happiness would flow down his cheeks. And... And then tears all the more when he talked about those who are walking in the darkness because they don't know Jesus. Oh, there was such a sadness about him that you'd tear up too. It was really an experience. He'd, he'd draw you in, and you'd, you'd laugh with him, and, and cry with him, and then just when you got comfortable, he'd warn you. When he talked about hell, he'd scare the hell right out of you. With deadly seriousness, he'd lean on the podium and he'd point that finger at us and he'd say, listen, hear me and hear me well. Don't ever deny your Christ. Always share the love of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the face of Jesus, the compassion of jesus never stop preaching christ's good news listen to me students walk in the light walk in his light he was part teacher part pastor part shepherd part prophet he was a world-renowned scholar but most of all he was a friend of Jesus. You could tell. You could feel it, and you you wanted in on that too. Oh, church, how blessed we are to be able to sit at his feet and, and lean in and learn what this dear old friend of Jesus has to say. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know that old song, if you do jump in. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it costs. Says me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Well done. He was there. He was an eye witness to the ministry of Jesus from the beginning. John was the son of Zebedee and Salome, who was possibly the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. But John and his brother James had such forceful personality that Jesus nicknamed them the Thunder Boys. Fishermen by trade and called by Jesus to a life of discipleship to follow, to walk in the light. John was there. One of the three disciples given special training and experience along with Peter and his brother James, John was privileged to a front row seat to all that Jesus said and did. He was there to hear the Sermon on the Mount. He was there when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and he was there for the comeback of Lazarus, too. John was there to witness Jesus' miracles and transfiguration. John was there in the upper room. Jesus washed his feet. He attended the first Lord's Supper. He laid his head on Jesus' heart. John was there that night as his Savior sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there at the cross and given charge to care for Jesus' mother. John was there on Easter morning, outrunning Peter to reach the empty tomb. John was there at Jesus' ascension into heaven. John was there when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost and he got a little tongue of fire on his head. The early chapters of Acts describe John as one of the leaders among the apostles. Though Peter usually does the talking, John is right there with them, healing the crippled beggar and being arrested by the religious authorities and jailed and told to shut up about Jesus, but he would not, he could not be silent because John had seen, he beheld his glory. He'd been there. He wrote a biography about Jesus' life and he also, Has given a revelation of all that which is to come, and he wrote that down too. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, to know yourself like that. Just call me the one that Jesus loves. And he looks back on his long life with Jesus, and he writes, or more than likely he dictates as someone else pens the words, he is the last of the surviving members of Jesus, original followers, and he has something remarkable to say. Something has happened, and it keeps on happening. John proclaims the most precious thing he has to proclaim, the most precious reality he knows, the most precious part of life, the most precious part of himself. It's real. It's true I saw it with my own eyes I heard him with my own ears I touched him with my own hands the son of God I was there I know the word of life listen in students hear me now he commands he teaches He warns, He encourages, and He expects you to do what He tells you to do. This is the message we have heard from Him and now declare to you, God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet we walk in darkness, We're liars, we're not living by the truth, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I'll tell you a story this morning, actually, in fact, three little stories, and these stories I'm about to tell you aren't mine. They come from a Lutheran pastor right here in St. Louis. Actually, Pastor David Mulder has passed away from this world to live in the next, but I believe these to be true stories. Early on in my ministry here at Messiah, I called Pastor Mulder because I wanted his permission to share a different story from his book, Narrative Preaching. And he told me, What's mine is yours. And so I'm going to take him at his word and tell you these stories in first person as if they're mine. However, I have reworked the accounts just a bit. Walk in the light, dear children, walk in the light. Three stories about three different people, Zach, Travis, and Carly. Uh, Let's begin with Zach. Uh, Back in June, Zach was talking with his grandpa at a family gathering following his graduation from high school. Well, said, Grandpa, now that you finished high school, what are you going to do next? I'm going to go to Mizzou and graduate with honors," replied Zach. "'And then what?' asked Grandpa. "'Then I'll go to law school, and after I pass the bar exam, I'll be a successful lawyer.' And then what? "'Oh, then I'll get married and have three kids and live in a big house and join a country club,' stuff like that. And then what? Well, after making lots of money, I'm going to be a congressman or a senator." Wow. And then what? Then I'll retire to Florida or Arizona, somewhere warm, and go on cruises and see the world. And then what? Uh, I don't know. I suppose eventually I'll die. And then what? Grandpa persisted. Ah, oh, Grandpa, I don't think about that stuff very much. I guess I'll go to heaven if I live a good life and don't do anything too bad. That's interesting, Zach. You have your entire life planned out, but no serious thought or plan for eternal life, Grandpa replied gently. Other than studying and working very hard, there's nothing you can really do about your plans. You may or may not achieve the things you hope for. Life has so many surprises, Zach. Only a few of them will be under your control. But one thing you can count on is the love of God and Jesus Christ. He's promised that all who call on him will be saved. And if you have faith in Jesus as your Savior and believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you'll live forever in heaven. You can be assured of His plan for your salvation." Now, Zach was barely paying attention. He he tried to make his escape from the old man's ramblings, but his grandfather held up a hand. He said, just one more thing, Zach. I I know that you think that all those things you plan on are going to make you happy, but by themselves they won't. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things but they won't make you happy. That only comes from walking in the light of Christ. Walk with him and you put Jesus first and the rest will be given to you as well. Please think about this, Zach. I haven't achieved all I ever wanted in life, but I, I know what Jesus has done for me and so I, I can say with all my heart that I am happy. My life is complete in him. Our second character is Travis and I'm just going to cut to the chase and let you know that although Travis he grew up going to church and being confirmed and all that he he lost his way. He started experimenting with drugs and it cost him. After high school his habit was growing out of control so much so that he couldn't afford it and so in desperation he borrowed dad's gun and he robbed a gas station with a convenience store, or I should say he tried to rob a gas station. He was so strung out that he was so confused, and before he knew it, he was the one facing a gun in the hand of the clerk, and Travis dropped the one that he had held. And the family asked me as their pastor if I would go to the jail and visit Travis as he awaited his hearing. I did. I talked with Travis after his arrest. It didn't go well. He had been belligerent really, and he insisted that he was not on drugs. He maintained that he was innocent because he had not actually robbed the store. He said he was just trying to scare the clerk because he had been so rude to him, and he didn't know that his dad's gun was loaded. He was anything but repentant. was deceiving himself and the truth was not in him I turned to Travis and I said Travis God loves you and so do I you might not believe that right now but it is very important that when you do repent and turn back to God that you are confident that he will love you and forgive you I do hope you see that and you start over you remember The story of the prodigal son and we covered that in confirmation but you should reread it you can find it in Luke 15 but read it over and over and over God loves you Travis no matter what you did you're probably gonna have to pay a debt for what you've done but I'll tell you uh, Jesus has already paid for that sin and every sin you've ever committed Travis rolled his eyes and yawned, unimpressed. Our third person is Carly, and she is 18 years old. She's an honor student at her high school, and she runs long distance on her track team. She's faithful in worship attendance, and on most Sundays, she even volunteers in the nursery. But Carly's parents say that she's never given them any problems. She's just a great kid. The track coach had expected Carly to win the state championship in her event last spring, because as a freshman, she finished in the top 10, and as a sophomore, she finished third, but during the latter part of her junior year, she had not done well. In fact, she had become quite tired toward the end of the second to the last regularly scheduled race, and she had to stop before the end of it. In her entire career, she had never not finished a race, so she skipped the last track meet of the season to be fresh for the state finals. She didn't feel well going into the race. Through sheer determination, Carly finished, but she struggled across the finish line to finish in last place. Carly was puzzled. Her parents and coach were worried. They knew of her talent and her courage. Carly was taken to the family doctor and then on to specialists. And after a series of extensive tests, it was verified that Carly has leukemia. Will Carly ever run again? Will she outlive her life? Will the new methods of treatments work for her? Some leukemia patients are completely cured, and some others not. Listen, students. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. Recall Zach, the high school graduate who had everything figured out for this life but nothing for the one to come. Now, no one can judge the heart but God alone, but the evidence looks like he's not walking in the light. He doesn't seem to know or really care to know who is the light of the world. You know anybody like Zach? Does God love Zach? Absolutely. But I wonder, what's it gonna take for Zach to walk in the light? He needs to see that he can gain the whole world and yet lose his very own soul for all eternity. He needs to get his priorities straight. Well, how about our second character, Travis? You can't really say that he's walking in the light either. Does God love him? Absolutely. The moment Travis repents of his sin and turns to God for forgiveness, the Father will run out to meet him and throw his arms around him and welcome him back, not as a servant, but as a son. And the angels in heaven will rejoice that day. Travis comes back home if he comes back home. How about Carly? Is she walking in the light? Well, from outward appearance, we would assume, yeah. Does God love her more than Zach and Travis? No. Does God love her less than Zach and Travis? No. But God loves all three because of Jesus Christ. God cannot love one of them any more or any less depending upon what they do. God loves them because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for them and for the whole world. And his love is available to them all if they want it. But What about Carly's illness? Is that fair? Not according to our standards, it's not. And yet, God has promised to be good to her, promised to be with her. He has not promised us a life free from suffering in this world. He has promised us forgiveness and eternal life when we walk in the light of His Son. How about you? Are you walking? in the light yes no maybe here's a better question do you want to you know it's the beginning of the school year and so it's a great time for uh, fresh starts renewal past is the past it's always about the future So you come back to class next week as we open up the Book of Love. Next Sunday, we're gonna dig into chapter two. But in the meantime, spend some time with the word of life. Here's what you do. You read chapter one of 1 John each day this week. Do that. It will be fascinating. It'll be a great experience because each day, even though you're reading the same thing, you will see something new, something you didn't see yesterday. It's a wonderful experience. And so we have printed a resource for you. You can grab one on the way out the door today. One of our hosts will be happy to give you as many as you want. But it also will kind of function as a journal. Now, if you've never done that, give it a try. It'll be good for you. It'll be very worth it. You will grow in your faith and you'll receive love. You will walk in the light, amen.